Monday, and we certainly hope you had a very Merry Christmas. And looking ahead to the new year, we hope that there's some good things coming in your life. But thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. A highly successful Sunbelt Bowl season will conclude on Tuesday in Montgomery, Alabama. In today's episode, we'll be previewing the final Sunbelt Bowl, the Camellia Bowl, with the help of Georgia Southern's talented offensive signal caller, Brian Ellis. This matchup will feature Georgia Southern taking on the Buffalo Bulls, not Bills, in the only Sunbelt versus Mid-American Conference matchup of bowl season. Kane, we have one of the Sunbelt's biggest surprises, Georgia Southern and a Buffalo side that had to win a makeup game to get into bowl season. I'm really looking forward to watching Kyle Van Treese play against his former team. What has you most excited about this matchup? You said it right there. Kyle Van Treese probably getting some redemption on his former team. Last season at Buffalo has 1,800 yards, eight touchdowns. This year explodes on the scene for Georgia Southern with 4,000 yards and 25 touchdown passes. So really excited to watch Kyle get after his old team in this one. I'm sure he's going to be bumping heads and dapping some guys up before, after, and during the game. But overall, just really excited to watch this Georgia Southern explosive offense and passing attack go up against a really just scrappy Buffalo team. I feel like when we talk about the teams and matchups in a lot of these games, there's a lot of conference championships, one, two, three lost teams that are really elite. And some of these other teams who had to fight, claw, and scratch to get into this bowl game. And Buffalo is one of those teams. So they're a scrappy group. They're going to get after it. And they're very excited to watch that differing style of play against this air raid Georgia Southern explosive offensive attack. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a lot of fun. And now as we get you set for Tuesday's matchup, We spoke with Georgia Southern Offensive Coordinator Brian Ellis, whose offenses have consistently been among the country's best in recent seasons. After working with the high-scoring Western Kentucky offense for the past three years, Brian took his talents to Statesboro, Georgia, to serve on the coaching staff of first-year head coach Clay Helton. Known for his dynamic play-calling ability, Brian has transformed a once-triple-option attack into the one of the most electric passing attacks in college football this season. He's also helped resurrect the quarterback Kyle Van Treese's career this year in Statesboro. His upbeat offense has averaged 76 plays per game while recording an average of 320 yards through the air this year. In this interview, Brian's going to talk about keeping everyone in the offense happy, the secret to his dynamic offense, and his quarterback Kyle Van Treese. And as a special added bonus, he will also give some insight into the offense that torched Caden Smith and his App State friends last season. You're not going to want to miss this interview with Georgia Southern's Brian Ellis. Really excited to have Georgia Southern offensive coordinator Brian Ellis on the podcast today. Brian, your offense has been electric and we're excited to have you on. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, You know, we got one more to go. We got a really great group of seniors that we that we'd sure like to send off in the right way and go get a win and put up a bunch of points and a bunch of yards. Well, Brian, let's not shy away from it. Let's just talk about this offense. Uh, We've seen this team transition from that triple option attack in years past to now a team that's averaging 327 yards per game through the air. What challenges did you face implementing your offensive scheme when you first got to Statesboro? Well, I think the biggest thing is getting everyone to to buy into it and believe in what we do. Uh, I think that's such a critical thing in, in college football nowadays is getting your players to to buy into what you're doing and to believe in in everything and, and the fan base. You know, I think everything everyone's fully bought into to what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish. And you know, it's been a fun go around. It's been fun to to kind of see the the change of everybody going, you know, I'm not sure what, what this is all about to, to now after 12 games going, man, this is a lot of fun. And, uh, 
you know, that's what we're here to do at the end of the day. We're an entertainment industry and that's what we're trying to do is entertain everybody. Great to have you on, Coach Ellis. And we have to talk about your quarterback, Kyle Van Trees. He's been on our show. We know he's a great person and a, a great player as well. But he was kind of a diamond in the rough. He had some decent numbers at Buffalo who he'll be facing in this ball game. But he's exploded in this offensive system. When did you know he was going to be a good fit for this team? Well, you could see that the, from the film of, of what they had done at Buffalo. You know, if I coached at Buffalo, I'd probably try to be a run-heavy team too because once it hits the month of November, it's, what, 12 or 13 degrees outside. You know, you look – you look up there now and watch the Bills and those guys of, of what they have to do. I think I get that. But if you, when you watch when he did get to throw the ball and how he threw it, and you know you talk to guys that are currently on their staff and their old coaches and all those things, you talk to him about what kind of guy he is. Everything that he did and how he played fit what we wanted to be. And I, you know I just think he hadn't had the opportunity to play in the type of offense that we are and the type of things that we want to do and, and kind of the players that we've been able to put around him. I think allows you to go out there and, and go to accomplish some of the things that he's gotten to accomplish. And quite honestly, probably the only reason why we got him was because of the, hey, you know, we're down here. It's it's 85 degrees and sunny most days of the year, and and we're gonna go, we're gonna air it out. And you got really good guys around you to go do that. And I think that's what what he looked at when he was trying to make a decision was, you know, I got one more shot at this, and if I want to be able to go play at the next level, I got to go wow some with some numbers and type of things that we want to do and and that's what he's been able to accomplish so far well i have to admit those are two uh great selling points there the weather and, and being able to air out the football uh coach obviously last year the college for or last week rather the college football world was shocked with the southern passing of mike leach uh speak to his impact on the game and more specifically uh, on his style of offense and how maybe you've taken pieces of that in your offensive package that you guys run at georgia southern well i think any coach nowadays that, that wants to throw the football like we throw the football, I think they'd be lying to you if they didn't tell you that they don't study Coach Leach. You know, we we have some versions of the air raid in our passing system and what we want to do. And, you know, I think such so, so big of that is the, the practice structure. You know, you want to be good at something, what do you do? you got to practice it. And when we walk on the practice field, from the time we walk on to the time we walk off, we throw the football. And I think a lot of that is what he brought to that. And – you know, that it is pretty cool. There's not many men out there. You know, you got Bill Walsh with the the West Coast offensive system and from you know the Shanahan's with the outside zone system. And it's pre- I think it'd be a pretty cool deal to say to be a part of the founding fathers of a type of offense. And the, you you look throughout the country of, you know, it's it's everywhere. The air raid from high school football to all the way to the NFL, you look at how much success it's had. And I think that'd be pretty cool to put your stamp on that and and Coach Leach is a big part of that. And, you know, Coach Leach, the, what I love about him is he, no matter where he went, he did it his way. You know, I think you watch the press conferences and, and, and you see his players and those things. Everybody, there's not many people that's been around him that doesn't love him. And he went out his way. And if I had a dream and a way of doing that, that's how I'd want to go too, is, is my way of doing it. And it, it worked at a lot of different places. And I think that's pretty neat for him. Definitely a one-of-a-kind personality in college football that'll be missed. And staying on this offense, could you just tell us what the key is maybe to running it so well? You obviously need talent at the quarterback position. You need good receivers out wide. And people talk about the simple route concepts and the repetition of that, along with having your guys in shape. But what if you could pinpoint one thing maybe in the offseason or during the week at practice is the key to running this pass attack so efficiently? Well, we're very detailed in our routes and how we do it and, and what we do and, and where we go. Um you know, I think what sets us apart and what a lot of people is is 
the amount of reps we get out of that practice, you know, from routes on air doing it at that point to team portions, the walkthroughs to, you know, it's so detailed of how we do it and the spots we get to on the field and the grass that we hit. And, you know, I think if you watch it on tape, everybody thinks, oh, we're going to put these plays in. We're going to go run them. They're going to work just like they do for, for Georgia Southern. And it's, I wish it was that simple. I really do. I, you know, I think there'd be a lot, a lot more coaches out there than, than what there are if it was that easy. And yes, it takes players. We got good football players. We really do. And, and that's the most important thing is it takes the type of guys to do it. But how we do it and the reps that we get at it and the, the perfection that we do it at, I think, is what allowed us to be successful. Brian, when we spoke with Kyle earlier this year, he couldn't say enough good things about that offensive line unit in front of him. They gave up just seven sacks all year. In this pass-heavy offense, what made that unit so good week in and week out this year? Well, it goes back to the buy-in. You know, you look at four of the five guys at Star Force were here last year doing a completely different system. And that and they were brought here to do completely different things. You know, we got the true freshman that starts for us at left guard that, that we signed in the last year's class. But other than that, you know, I, and I think they've, they've bought into the fact of, of the fun side of it. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to drop back 55 times a game and throw the ball around and watch those things and create big plays. And they take, they take great pride in protecting Kyle. You know, I think you can watch a lot for a team of when their quarterback does get knocked down, when he does get bumped, even if it's not sacked, you watch all five of them turn around, they're helping him up. They, they take a lot of pride in, you know, our quarterback doesn't get touched. And, you know, and, then in, I've said it numerous times, but we went out and I don't know how we did it, but we went out and hired the, the best offensive line coach in the country, in my opinion. And, you know, being able to have him and, and a, to match that up with really good football players, you see the type of success and production we've been able to get this year. Transitioning a little bit to this bowl matchup, Coach, what's your assessment of this Buffalo defense that you're facing their first season as well with a new coordinator under Brendan Bailey? They've turned some things around there. They've had some great linebacker play and secondary play all year. What is your assessment of this team you're facing here coming up here? Well, it's going to be a weird one, man. Brandon's a, a really good friend of mine, has been for a long time from the time we were both little. His older brother and I actually uh, played against each other in, in a bunch of different sports. His older brother's uh, Ben Bailey. We were kind of the same exact person at two different schools. You know, he played quarterback for his high school. I played quarterback. He was the two guard for the basketball team, so we guarded each other. He played shortstop for the baseball. We literally were rival. We played against each other in two state championships in baseball, uh, numerous region championships in basketball. We competed against each other in football. So it's, it's kind of funny to see. And we grew up 20 miles apart from each other. Our families have known each other forever. So that part will be weird, uh, you know, Brandon does a great job of disguising coverages. You know, you look at, you look at the SEC and how they play coverage. This, this is what Brandon is. You know, he does a great job. You line up in one high and play some two-trap stuff. You do some things off of that. He does a good job mixing in the blitzes in the red zone. You know, it, it's going to be a tough day for us. I can promise you that. Um, and you can tell, too, he's got some buy-in from his guys. His guys play hard, and uh, they got good players. And, you know, you, it's not – you don't make it to a bowl game out of the MAC for no reason. And they've done a nice job. Coach, we've got to know, and I'm going off script here, but given what you just said us, is there any friendly wagers that are going on, you know, uh, with this game? I don't know about friendly wagers, but there's definitely been some texting back and forth, messing with each other. I don't know that there's a, a day that goes by that, there, you know, there's not a text sent back and forth from, from each other, family, friends. And, that, you know, his older brother is actually the, the offensive court, the currently the offensive coordinator at my high school where I played high school ball at. So, Yes, there's definitely been some uh, friendly banter, I'd say, going back and forth 
Uh, but it's been fun. It, it's you know I look forward to seeing him. So it sounds like you need to mistakenly tell him that Kyle Van Trees is going to miss this game and, and and see if that makes it back to him. Um, but talking a little bit more about this Buffalo defense, one of the other things they're really good at is getting their hands on the football. They led the MAC in interceptions this year, and at times that's something that Kyle has struggled with. They're all American. Marcus Fuqua has seven. Uh, with how much you guys throw the ball, how much of an emphasis this week has ball security been, and more specifically, just a threat like that in this game? Well, you, you know, you get you get those interceptions when you are able to disguise coverages the way they do, and they play a ton of zone coverage. So that means their their quarterback, I mean, their DB's eyes are always on the quarterback, which normally leads to more picks. Uh, yes, if there's one area of growth, we had we had one le- one game left, so I'd like to you know, consider myself a good coach and it took me 12 games to teach him how to not throw interceptions. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. The, the one thing I always tell Kyle is I want to be aggressive and I would rather have to pull him back than make him go throw the football. And uh, we haven't had an issue with that of him pulling the trigger and those things. And, you know, it's going to come down to a turnover battle like all football games do. Uh, we can't turn the football over. He's got to make great decisions. He's got to understand when to try to fit the ball in the tight windows and make make those throws and when not to. And I think that's what will end up at, That's what it'll, it'll come down to in the end. Coach Ellis, I'm really looking forward to asking this question because I was a part of the App State defense last year that you faced in the Boca Raton game, bowl game, when you were at Western Kentucky. I was number 13 at safety trying to keep up with all those receivers you had out wide, if you remember. What is your assessment of that App State defense in that bowl game? And did you expect to hang up 59 points on me and my friends that day in our last college football game? Well, to, to, to be fair to you, uh, I, I, I did help early on game plan that game, but I was not a part of that. I had already moved on to Georgia Southern, and, and, those, and I watched it, and I was cheering hard and, and, and those things. But I, I wish I could take credit for those 59 points and, and those things. But as you saw, we had really, really good players, and, and Bailey Zappi, nobody stopped him. So don't feel bad about that. And they're not stopping him in the NFL right now either. So. I would, you know, take some pride in that, that, that nobody has. And I, I would imagine he's going to play for a long time and nobody will for a long time. So don't, don't feel bad about that. Well, that had been uh, the inside joke on the podcast all year long. I constantly make fun of him about that Western Kentucky game. So we had to get that question in. Uh, last question for you here. Uh, since you were your first quality control job back at Western Kentucky, you've made a bowl in every season except that 2018 year. I know coaches, oftentimes they get the opportunity to bring their families to these bowl games, and they're just a lot of fun in general. Uh, what's your favorite part of the bowl experience? Well, that's, that's what it's about, you know, is, is your families getting it's – a, it's a vacation for your players to, to get to go out and enjoy the, the, the town and the scenery and everything that's going on in the, uh, of the bowl game. But it's also for your, for your family. You know, you, the, the season's a long grind for your wives and your kids as well as, as for the coaches. So for those – them to get to be a part of all that, I think, is pretty special. It'll probably be our, my first time, you know, having both my kids at the bowl game where they can kind of – they've been to a bowl game before, but they were both so young they didn't really realize what was going on. So now i got a almost three-year-old son and almost five-year-old daughter. So it'll be fun for them to get to kind of see that. You know, we had to write a letter to Santa and tell them that we wouldn't be at our house for Christmas. We'd be in Montgomery, Alabama. So to make sure Santa knew where we were, where he would find them. So – that part will be fun. Well, Brian, we really appreciate you taking uh, some time to talk, and uh, we've both enjoyed watching you all play football this year and certainly wish you guys uh, the best of luck heading into this bowl game. Well, I really appreciate that. And like I said, we got a really good group of seniors that we'd like to send out the right way.
Wow, that was a lot of fun talking to Brian Ellis. It was neat to hear him talk about how they found Kyle Van Trees in his play this year, as well as his relationship with Buffalo's uh, defensive coordinator. But, Caden, before we hear your thoughts, I have to give you a chance to respond to the nugget I gave right before that interview about Brian Ellis talking about Western Kentucky's offensive attack last year. I'll tell you what, man, it's good to finally get some answers. I mean, <laughs> thankfully, it wasn't all responsible for Brian Ellis. So all these years of me tormenting Brian Ellis, having nightmares of him, and his offensive scheme, keeping me up at night for what he did to me and my friends in our last football game. It was all Bailey Zappi's fault the whole time, though. I think Coach Ellis made it very clear that Bailey Zappi is the one. If I need to point any fingers in my frustrations for how that game went, it should be a Bailey Zappi. But he's an amazing player, man. It was one of those games where you watch on film and you watch how elite that offense is. And there's like, you know, there's no way this team does that to us, right? Well, they went out there and did it. So kudos to them and kudos to this Georgia Southern team for doing a very similar thing to a lot of teams across the Sunbelt, outside of the Sunbelt this entire season. He clearly has their offensive attack down to a T, talked about the preparation and the detail and then getting those reps day in and day out, passing, throwing, catching the ball. And it's clearly paid off for them, them making it to this bowl game. Hey, well, let's talk about this bowl game, the Camellia Bowl on Tuesday, December 27th. It's going to be at noon Eastern on ESPN in Montgomery, Alabama. Georgia Southern coming into this game, a three and a half point favorite right now. The over under sits at 67. And you have to imagine Georgia Southern is could provide a large portion of that uh, Caden, this bowl, when you look at the Camellia Bowl, first played in 2014, and I wanted to know what this bowl was named after. And Caden, so I did some digging. It's af- actually named after the state flower of Alabama, which happens to be the Camellia flower. Uh, this will be the ninth year in a row that this game will feature a Sunbelt school. It'll be the second time, actually, that Georgia Southern will be in this game. Fifth bowl game overall for Georgia Southern. They're three and one in their previous four. This will be the sixth bowl game. For Buffalo, they missed last year's bowl season, uh, but the year before they actually beat Marshall, a Conference USA team in 2020 in this very same Camellia Bowl. Uh, They are two and three in their previous five bowl games. Caden, let's jump right in. Quarterback situation, Kyle Van Treese, excellent year, 4,000 yards passing, led the Sun Belt or nearly 4,000 yards passing, responsible for 25 touchdowns. He's thrown it over 550 times this year. You look on the other side for Buffalo. Cole Snyder's been really good this season, 59% completion, approaching 2,800 yards, 17 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and he had his third three-touchdown game versus Akron to get Buffalo into this game. I'm really excited to watch the quarterbacks play. Definitely, and I would like to say I did know that Camellia Bowl fact. I've played in the Camellia Bowl. They told us that there, so kudos to them for getting their their history on point and letting the players in the games know that kind of stuff. But this is a great quarterback matchup. I think you look at Kyle Van Treese where talking about him all season and the amazing things he's done. And I know that this Buffalo defense has just have to watch film and pass after pass after pass. It's not very easy watching a guy that you have to face when there's clips, 25 clips, 25 different plays of this guy throwing touchdown passes. He's definitely going to put a lot of pressure on this defense, on this secondary. That is a great and opportunistic group, which we'll talk about later. But I think the key in this game is going to be Kyle Van Treese, like all like we've talked about all season, like we talked about with Coach Ellis taking care of the football. If he doesn't throw any interceptions of this game, that'll be a huge plus for this offense. And then on the other side of that, if he's protected, as well protected as he's been all season, the offensive line's done a great job of protecting him. If he's, not, if he's back there, he's untouched, he has time, and he's not turning the ball over. A very scary sight for not only any defense in the country, but specifically this Buffalo defense. And talked about it too with Buffalo's quarterback. 
He transferred from Rutgers. Cole Snyder has a little bit of run game to him. Not a super major run threat, but is sneaky between the tackles, is sneaky in short yardage. I think if you look at him on the flip side of Kyle Van Treese, though, he's been sacked 30 times this year. It's much different than Kyle. He's been under duress all season, has kind of had to make the most out of his opportunity, but he has a really good connection with his top two wideouts that he has out wide. He's been great at feeding those guys and leaning on them all season and vice versa. So I think in this quarterback matchup, Time will be a big key. I think if the quarterbacks in this game have time to play at their best, we'll see the best out of them. But I think if they don't, that's when we start to see turnovers. That's when we start to see some uncharacteristic stuff out of both of these guys. Okay, and I really want to spend some time talking about the offensive lines in this game because you mentioned a moment ago kind of the differences between these two offensive lines. Georgia Southern led the Sun Belt in sacks against only seven sacks allowed this year, was actually tied for second with none other than number one ranked Georgia. Oregon actually led the NCAA. They gave up just four sacks this year. Meanwhile, this Buffalo offensive line has really struggled at times this year to protect Cole Snyder. They've given up 30 sacks across their 12 games. I'm interested to kind of see with the discrepancies here, which offensive line has a better game. Yeah, it's a huge task for both of them. And I think if you look at the Buffalo offensive line, it's kind of similar to Marshall, how we talked about in this year. They're pretty good in the run game. They do a great job of creating lanes for those running backs and letting those guys cook. And they use a variety of different backs. But in the past game, just hasn't been there. The guys have lost some of their one-on-one matchups throughout the season. They've had some busts in protection. And I think for this bowl game, they've had a lot of time to prep for this Georgia Southern defensive line, who isn't the scariest pass rushing threat by any means. We've talked more about how this defense has been somewhat atrocious this season. So I think if you look at this Buffalo offensive line, they're going to have an opportunity to probably protect at a higher and better clip than they have historically throughout this season. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And for Georgia Southern, it's business as usual. I think they've set a ridiculous standard as far as protecting the quarterback. And you talk about some of those other offenses that are highly regarded offenses in the nation, in the national scene this year. And them being in the same company, in the same breath as those guys is really a true testament to them. And you have to give a shout out to a lot of those guys as well for going from an option system a system where they're used to playing downhill, cut blocking people on the edges and making things hell for outside linebackers and linebackers. Now switching into a system where they're pass protecting a lot more than they're used to. They took on the task head on. They did a great job of it. And I think just that transition, them being able to do that really, in my eyes, makes them probably the most versatile offensive line in the country from just looking at what they were asked to do a year or two ago and what they've been able to do this year at such a high level. Hey, we've talked about that offensive line and how good it is in pass protect. Caden, I'm interested when you look at this game, I have a sneaking suspicion that we might see a lot of running in this game. Georgia Southern wasn't a great running team in the regular season, just 141 yards per game, good for ninth in the Sun Belt. Uh, They they were led by Jalen White, who ran for over 900 yards and 10 touchdowns. He was one of five guys in the Sun Belt this year with over 10 touchdowns. Meanwhile, you look at Buffalo, they deploy guys like Mike Washington, Ron Cook pretty equally, and then Cole Snyder even is very involved in the run game. I would expect to see a lot of run, and we'll get into the defensive side of the football here in a minute. These are two teams that haven't done a good job at stopping the run, and so that could set up for a good offensive day running the football. Yeah, and when you look at Southern, it's going to be all about setting up that pass game in order to establish the run game. You look at a guy like Jalen White getting 914 yards on the ground in a team that throws the ball so many times when you have your quarterback upwards of 500-plus pass attempts. It's really impressive, and he's making the most of his carries, 5.6 yards a carry. But even if you look at whoever they hand the ball to, Joe Green, 5.5 yards a carry. OJ Arnold, 5.7 yards a carry. This Southern team does a great job of getting chunk yards. And I think the better they throw the ball, the better they'll be able to run the ball in this game. And I think it'll be a nice curveball and changeup for them and an ability for them 
to keep the change moving, chains moving when they get into the second and medium, third and medium situations. And on the other side of the ball for Buffalo, it's their bread and butter running the ball. That's what they like to do, and that's what they want to do. And I think them being able to establish the run is going to be a lot bigger of a priority in this game for them. You talked about the committee of backs. Senior running back Ron Cook was an absolute animal for them in this game. He did get injured in the Central Michigan game and hasn't appeared for them since, which is really just a shame because watching film with this guy, he had great, great, quick, sudden cuts. He had great vision. and He's really good at making something from nothing. And on top of that, he was a great receiving threat. But the freshman running back, Aljay Harrison, does remind me of Cook a little bit. I think he's able to do a lot of the same things. And I think their running game is able to really not compete as at high of a level as they did with Cook, but a similar level in production as far as a freshman version, I think, of Cook. And their other freshman, Mike Washington, has also picked up the slack. He's a bigger back, kind of a different change of pace for them, but he has fumbled the ball three times in the last two games. So I think that's going to be something to watch and something hopefully this Georgia Southern team can maybe pop the ball out, get a turnover in their hands and flip some momentum for them moving forward in this game. Hey, last thing on offense for Georgia Southern, they have been elite this year at converting on third downs. Sunbelt best 47% of them this year. Buffalo, meanwhile, just 37% was actually seventh in the MAC in a down year. Kane, why is third down going to be so critical for both of these teams in this game? I had some coaches that called third down the money down. It's going to be where teams make their money. And I think if you look at Georgia Southern, they were, especially at the beginning of the season, converting at a super high clip really tapping into that run game, their quick passing game, and getting tough catches out of guys like Durham Burgess, out of Caleb Hood. Super good at making contested catches on third down, and Kyle Van Treese really being super precise and distinct on his decision-making when it came to third down. But I think Buffalo is going to come back down to that run game. I think if they can establish the run in this game, third downs will not be a problem for them. I think if you look at this Georgia Southern defense and some of their kind of varying success on third down, a lot of it has been if the team they're playing can establish the run and run the ball effectively against them. So I think that's going to be a big part of this game, especially when you look at the offensive firepower that Georgia Southern has. If they're converting third downs left and right, and this Buffalo team is not, and they are getting off of the field and getting that Georgia Southern offense back on the field, that's going to be a huge problem for them in this matchup. Hey, both teams' defenses are really bad at stopping the run games. As I mentioned a moment ago, Georgia Southern last in the Sun Belt this year, 240 yards per game given up on the ground Buffalo was 11th out of 12. They gave up 175 yards per game on the ground this season. Uh, Both teams, Caden, and I think this could be a big reason why, have struggled to get to opposing teams' quarterbacks. Georgia Southern had just 18 sacks this year, and the Bulls finished with just 24. But outside of those struggles to get to the opposing quarterbacks, Caden, why do you think both of these teams have, have, have been so poor at defending the run games this season? Well, I think if you look at Southern, you can maybe say it's because they never practice against it because they just practice against the pass all day. But no, Georgia Southern, I think if you look at their defensive struggles all season in the run game, it's really been a combination of a lot of things. It's been a lack of physicality. It's been not being able to tackle the ball carrier in clutch situations if you do get behind the line of scrimmage or close to it. I think at Georgia Southern, this offseason is going to take a lot of long looks in the mirror regarding their defense in general, but more specifically their run-stopping ability. I think they have been on the field a lot this year because their offense has scored so fast and time of possession is kind of coming to premium when you're playing a Southern team that throws the ball so much. But I think this defensive unit has a lot to improve on. I think this will be a good opportunity for them to prove upon it against a Buffalo offense, but they're just going to have to get more cleaner. They're going to have to play more assignment sound football. They're going to have to tackle better. There's not really an area of Georgia Southern's front seven they couldn't use improvement on. And if you look at Buffalo, they just got a tough deal. And I think their defense has been 
susceptible to just catching streaks and catching trends. You look at this Buffalo team, they lost their first three games in a row and just did not play great defense in general, especially in the run game. But when they were putting together three, four, five wins in a row, they kind of won in bunches and their defense kind of got their groove. They had games where they were holding teams to seven points, hold Bowling Green to seven, UMass to seven in back-to-back games. And I think a lot of that was their ability to stop the run. So I think with this team, they have a little bit more of a ceiling as far as being able to stop the run compared to Georgia Southern, it's going to be about which version of them shows up. If that defense shows up that's played at the highest level as far as run stopping, it could be an issue for Georgia Southern. They'll obviously lean on their pass game per usual. But if this team is doing everything they can and playing their best ball, it's going to it's going to be a bigger or not bigger narrative of the story, depending on what version of this team shows up in their run stopping. Yeah, I think that's an important delineation to make. Kane, you've talked a lot on this podcast this year about teams learning how to win football games and when you look at these two teams, if this game is close, I'm not really sure who has the advantage. Buffalo 4-2 and two this year in games decided by less than a touchdown. Georgia Southern 4-3 and three in games decided by a single score. If you were picking this game, Caden, and this was a tight one, who do you feel like might have the advantage? It's really tough to say because the last thing we saw of Georgia Southern was them pulling off that just fantastic, which I can't even believe I'm saying, win in overtime over my alma mater, App State, clearly showed that they can pull off a close win, even though they had some close losses as well in the season, especially when you look at that South Alabama game. But it's the same for Akron, or the same against Buffalo for Buffalo when they played Akron. They pulled off a one-point victory in that game. And I think both teams are kind of right in the same space as far as their ability to win games. But I think if you look at this one, I kind of have to go with Buffalo just because they're a little bit more well-rounded top to bottom. I think if Buffalo does need a big play from their defense, let's say, they're going to be able to get that more consistently versus Georgia Southern's team whose defense has been a little bit more, quite frankly, of a revolving door this year. So I think if you look at Georgia Southern, they do what they do well. They throw the ball well. They're on point with that. But if that's not there for them, what other parts of their game, of their team, of their winning formula can they really lean on? Kind of tough to say if you're looking at one game versus another game. But if you look at Buffalo, I think they have themselves a little bit more figured out. If they do need to win the game, they know who they can lean on. and They can lean on multiple different players and win in a lot more different ways compared to Georgia Southern. Well, make sure you tune in to the Camellia Bowl Tuesday, December 27th at noon Eastern on ESPN. Well, that will do it for our Camellia Bowl preview episode on the Frary and Smith podcast. We'd like to say a special thank you to Georgia Southern Offensive Coordinator Brian Ellis as well as Senior Associate AD Brian Johnston for helping make this episode possible. Kate, I'd also like to say congratulations to you as well and to me, this being our 50th episode. This was a journey that started back in September. It's been a lot of fun to do it with you, partner. It's been great, man. 50 flew by fast. Can't wait for the next 50. And just thanks again to the listeners for giving us support. We didn't know how many people would get behind this, how many people would follow us on Twitter, how many people would listen to it. But we've gotten great responses, great feedback and great reactions out of you guys. So if this is touching your ears right now, thank you very, very much. Well, that will do it for our 2022 Bowl Preview Series. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed hearing from our special guests and learning more about the bowl matchups. With the holidays approaching, Kate and I will be taking some time off, a short break to spend time with friends and family. We plan to return on January 6th to recap all of the Sunbelt Bowl season. Thanks so much for tuning in throughout the fall. We couldn't do this without you, our listeners. We both enjoyed this episode of the Frary and Smith podcast and certainly hope you did too. If you did, take a moment, subscribe to the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you never miss an episode. Also, if you like today's show, take a moment to tell us what exactly you liked by leaving a quick review on Apple Podcasts or by leaving a five-star rating on Spotify. 
Finally, if you still haven't, follow the show on Twitter at at Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. You're going to want to do that heading into the new year. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.